name is Ashley Shannon, and I'm here with my co-host, Carrie McAvoy, and you're listening to the How to Publish Your Book podcast, where we're helping writers become authors. Today, we're going to do things a little bit differently. Um, we're reformatting the podcast into smaller segments to give you more information and um, to definitely talk about our writing process a little bit more, which I'm kind of excited about. Yeah, me too. We haven't been doing a lot of that. We both have big projects that we're working on. So this will be cool. I can always feel like I'm like I'm juggling projects. <laughs> so I, well, it, yeah, it I will be too. exciting. I think, I think you have to do that as a writer, don't you? That's part of, we're wearing multiple hats. I know some writers now, granted, you know, they've been doing it for a while and they're making a decent chunk of change, but I just sit down and work on one project every day until it's done. And boy, wouldn't that be nice. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. I'd like to do that too. So our first okay. segment is going to be about? Um, we're going to share a resource or something that we has inspired us this past week um, and helped us with our writing. So Carrie, you want to go first? Sure, sure. So I, you know, when I first heard about editing programs, I, I kind of thought it was like cheating. Like, like <laughs> yeah, seriously, it's like, I'm supposed to write the paper and I'm supposed to have good enough English that I don't need support. So I, I hesitantly, when I heard about them, I hesitantly joined the bandwagon. And my first one I used for a while, and I still use it, actually I use two, is Grammarly. Mm -hmm. And then I heard recently, more recently about pro writing aid. And um, so I've gotten into that. In fact, I've almost sometimes used that exclusively. And here's why. Because it gives me an analysis of what I'm writing. It tells me the grade level. It tells me, is there enough variety in the sentence structure? Um, I learn if I'm overusing a certain word, like the word look. Like right now, I'm in a section of the book where I'm talking about what's happening between two people. And they keep looking at something. So am I overusing that word? or the sun, am I including enough senses? Um, it just gives me a whole host of information in addition to editing the work, which I really like because it's, it's forced me to learn a few new rules and to realize a few bad habits that I have. And I've just found it super helpful. Yeah, I've always wanted to kind of look into it. And I think I got a coupon code for winning NaNoWriMo last year. Um, so I actually might have to try it out. I use Grammarly just about almost exclusively, but my premium uh, subscription ran out. And so it'd be a good time to try out pro writing aid. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I like it. If people, um, it comes highly recommended, but I know it's not as mainstream as Grammarly. I know there's a lot of people who are, Grammarly is easy. I mean, there's a lot of info about Grammarly, but when I came across this one, I really like, I know that's not the only one. I think there's something called Hemingway out there. I haven't tried yep. that one, but. I, so I know that these two are not the only fish in the pond, but I have, I have really enjoyed just the a volume of information. So if you try it, let me know what you think. I'd be curious. Yeah, I will. Um, I think Grammarly just kind of leads the pack because um, the entry level to access is free mm -hmm. and you can put it on, you know, they have plugins for browsers and stuff like that. Right. And so I think it's just very um, easy to get into using it, even if it's not necessarily the best one out there. And it, that is true. Cause I know it, not only is it a keyboard on your app, Grammarly is a keyboard on your app, but it also has a software program that I actually write inside of 
as well as a plugin on browser. And unfortunately, ProWriting Aid doesn't have that. It's not quite as convenient. It's browser-based, so that means I have to log in uh, through a browser to use it, which, but I keep myself logged in all the time and it remembers me and it keeps all the a running record of documents the same way that Grammarly does as well. So that part's really nice. See, I only use Grammarly in the browser. Um, well, I guess I have it on my phone, but um, I only use it in the browser. And so it seems like pro writing aid would probably just be the same for me. <laughs> yeah, it probably would be an easy shift over for you. That's true. So what, what things making your life better? Um, <laughs> TV? No. <laughs> so for those of you who know me, um, know that I write serialized fiction and I um, do a lot of uh, TV watching um, and serial reading. But um, I've been re-watching um, a show that I started a while ago, which was is called Chicago Fire. Mm. And... Um, I'm kind of, okay, so you've seen Law and Order, right? Right, yep. Okay, so you know there's like Law and Order and then there's Law and Order SVU and then there's Law and Order, you know, Criminal Intent. Now they have the new one, Organized Crime, um, all of which I've watched. And they all take place in the same world and they're all set in New York City. They all know each other. Well, they did this with Chicago too. They did Chicago Fire, Chicago uh, Police or PD and Chicago Medical. And they're all based in the same world, but then they're all, they're both created by Dick Wolf who created Law and Order. And so now they're doing like crossover episodes with like Law and Order SVU and Chicago PD and like, they're all in the same. And it's just this like insane amount of like storytelling and also a great way to get your, um, your viewers to watch all of your shows, <laughs> not just one of your shows you know because oh, I was watching re-watching Chicago Fire and there's you know there's a crossover episode with one of the other ones so I had to go and look up that episode and then I was like I haven't watched this one yet I should probably just watch this whole one you know and so I was thinking about if there was any way to like do that and there probably is I'm sure but to do that within serial fiction and so that's kind of got my creative wheels turning so to speak so i'm sure there is you know in fact i i know that have you ever read many of brandon sanderson's work probably not because mm -mm. it's science fiction brandon sets up these worlds that are governed by magic and he has very specific rules that does that you cannot break regarding magic how magic works but he sets up a world and he'll write a whole series of books now they're not serial they're not serialized mm -hmm, right they're a series of books and uh, I think at times he, you know, the worlds might cross or change because the rules are the same. He keeps the rules the same. So right. I have a feel that's a really great idea because if you, you're like you said, if you could do that, then you're going to create interest for this other world, which then they would or this other setting, whatever the setting is. You know, like if one somebody's in one fairyland and somebody else is in a zombie land, you're going to want to read both to find out who's who. Yeah, and well, I was thinking about this, especially with Amazon's new um, Kindle Vela platform coming out. So describe um, that. What, what is that? Oh, <laughs> so Kindle Vela is basically um, Amazon's new serialized fiction platform. Um, you buy tokens and you buy episodes. Um, and it's actually like, I don't know, you pay per word count instead of paying like authors don't set their own prices and stuff but it's short chunks of fiction um kind of like radish did and uh 
so I was thinking about if you did, you know, say I was writing about a firehouse and I was writing about a police station and then, you know, you get to episode 10, you could actually force your reader to, from this series to read, uh, that doesn't work on a podcast. So from series one, you could actually force them to read series two by having a crossover episode where, you know, episode 10 is on this series and episode 11 is on this series. And right. then, so I was just thinking well, about that and uh, about how, if, or maybe it would piss off readers, but I don't think it would as much in the Kindle Vela sphere since they buy per episode. Right. Um, so they could choose to then read the other series if they wanted to, or they could just buy that one crossover episode. So are those, they, they're buying, they're buying, they have tokens and they're buying mm -hmm. sections of a book or sections of a story? No, it's, um, you really can't, I would discourage anyone who's trying to do this. You really can't just like break up a novel and put it on there. Like each episode is supposed to be kind of like a closed loop. So each, let me, let, so each Kindle Vela is sold as a short story basically of a thought, so many words story that's complete in itself but the stories can connect to other stories or no well yeah okay so kind of so it's i mean it's set up just like a tv show so uh if you watch we'll take uh rizzolian isles or okay. bones or house or any of those kinds of shows so they start with a medical case, whatever, they end with the completion of the case. That is a full episode. But they have like the personal stories that arc throughout the whole season. Right. So it's like that. Okay. Okay. So it should have, you know, a beginning, middle, and end in right. those 5,000 words tops. But you can have, you know, arcs that go throughout full seasons, you know. So. Sure. Right. Oh, wow. And 5,000 words, that's, have you tried to do one in 5,000 words? No, no. I don't think Vela is going to be for me. I really don't. Um, I My episodes are 20,000 words long now, and that sits at about 100 pages um, in an ebook. And I just, as a reader, and I love serialized fiction. I love watching TV reading 3,000 words or 5,000 words of something and then having to wait for like it's I don't think it's going to make enough of an impact for me as a reader to want to be involved let alone as a writer but that's just me I'm sure it'll be great for some people but you have to write specifically to that and I just doesn't seem like it would be beneficial um to my style of writing I guess right okay okay but I love the idea you thinking about having these, not, they're not different worlds, but having different settings within a world that end up meeting and connecting. That's really cool. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting thing. And I know that like other people have done this where they've, you know, they'll write in somebody else's world or whatever, mm -hmm. but um, kind of being, you know, having, it's one thing to just be like, okay, they, they're set in the same world, but their story arcs never cross over versus like having, you know, the people in series A and the people in series B cross over and meet and go on an, an adventure together. I think that that's a pretty cool idea. I think that's a very cool idea. Okay, so 
All right, so for the next segment of our podcast, we're going to clue you in and update you on our writing journeys, um, talk about projects that we're working on, um, struggles or victories, those types of things. So Carrie, what are you working on and how is it going? <laughs> well, for the last, since March, I have been revising and editing uh, a book I've been writing since July of 2019. So it's almost two years on this project. Um, I'm about 52,000 words into on a 95,000 word project of the editing process. So I'm a little over halfway. It's been, I've dedicated myself to it, which is why you tease me about blogging because I haven't even been blogging. I haven't had time for it, but um, it's been a slog. I'm in the hard part right now. So I'm in the section where uh, finishing act two and starting act three. And for those who know what happens there is when you enter into the dark night of the soul. So it means it's the worst part of the story and it's a memoir, which means I get to revisit the worst part of my story. Yeah, it's been emotionally hard. The other thing I've been doing though in the middle of all that is, it, and, and you and Monica brought up to me when we had the interview with Monica about that I should be taking pre-orders, which meant I needed to get my book cover done, which meant I need to settle on a, a title and a back cover description. So that's, I, I've actually stopped and I think I have a pretty decent book cover now and settled on a title. I did a poll and you know got reaction to that. Um, but no, that's hard. I'll tell you, actually, to be honest, it's that's to commit to something like that. And then to know that I'm going to be living with it for, you know, not that I can't revise the title in a few years, but it's a big commitment. So that part's been hard. Um, yeah, so that's where I'm at. It's it, it right. It, I'm, I'm struggling to find the energy to finish. I'm feeling burnt out. I think professionally, you have commitment issues. <laughs> you, you do. I what do you? I am the most dogged person. <laughs> for, I don't know what you're talking about. I I think I no no no. So you set your mind to a goal, a project, whatever. Like you're going to get it done. But it's like the finer details of the project that I feel like you have commitment issues, and you you take in a lot of information from other people. We're just very different in that way. I don't think maybe once or twice though, the entire time we've known each other, I've been like, Hey, what do you think about this blog title? And that's because I'm like super, super stuck. Most of the time I'm just like, do 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 done. Like, <laughs> like, Hey, I, I don't have any commitment issues to an idea um, in that sense. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be wrong. That's my fear. I don't want to be wrong. You might be though. You yeah, might be. Yeah, I know. But that's where I get scared. And you know what? That damn poll showed up as 50-50. So it wasn't, it wasn't helpful. <laughs> but other Thanks, than- fans. <laughs> oh, I know. I couldn't believe it. I Because I, what got me doubtful is that I had a friend who heard the new title and she goes, I thought it was going to be this over here. I, I wouldn't pick up that new title. I'm like, shit. I don't want to hear that. You know? I would have been like- bullshit you're my friend you're gonna pick it up either way <laughs> i could write poop on the front of it and you're gonna buy it because i wrote it thank oh. you <laughs> you know the other odd thing is two different groups of people who saw it saw, thought the new title new title and book cover was a romance there's nothing romantic about that title that cover okay so the cover that she's describing i'll i will verbally describe it for you guys um 
so it is an eye up close and then you see two lovers embracing in the eye. And um, I'm not going to say the title because it's not technically released yet. And so in case it changes, whatever. Um, however, I can see where they're coming from. I look at that and I think it's like a man's eye watching. I think it's like a psychological thriller, especially with the red on it. Cause it's like black and white. And then you have the bold red. And I think it's like, this is some dude watching his wife embrace another and now he has to kill him. <laughs> like that's the vibe I get. Well, especially now that I've, have you seen, by the way, you can say the cover, the title because I have settled on that title. It's called Love You More. And the okay. word more is dripping in red. So it's now almost like a little, looks like a little bit of a murder mystery or has a little bit of a thrill to it. Exactly. It looks like a psychological thriller because it's dripping in his blood because he had to <laughs> kill him. <laughs> But, but the eye has been pulled back. You see more of the eye and you can tell it's a woman. Well, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we know that she killed the other woman <laughs> instead. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. just going to say, I, I um, but this is the thing. So I read a lot of memoirs. Memoirs are hard. Um, one of my favorite books is called um, Furiously Happy. And it's a memoir about mental health. Um, it's by Jenny Lawson. And it, the front of the cover is like a taxidermied raccoon. Mm. Like, and like, it has to do with inside the book. But, you know, um, you look at, uh, I, don't know, I don't like Rachel Hollis. So we're just going to ax her out. But most people who do a memoir have themselves on the cover. Or it's just like an abstract design, like, um, untamed of Glenn untamed that's the one I was thinking of mm -hmm. and so it's a hard sell but you also look at like every single one of those people except for no I think even Jenny Lawson was a blogger first they all had their own platform first mm -hmm. and they're all traditionally published so there's a lot of like different things that you have to consider like you're kind of like breaking new ground here writing your own like memoir yeah yeah. If, and self-publishing. Right. And uh, there is another book out there that's about um, um, mob and mafia. And it ha it was in red and black. And it was, you could tell it had kind of a crime thriller feel to the front of it. So there are a few that are like that, but you're right. If it's a celebrity, they have themselves on the cover. Well, I'm not a celeb. So that doesn't really make sense. I'm not selling myself. So it, it, it hits well, you're story. selling your story. I'm selling my story. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, take Mc Matthew McConaughey, you know, green lights. I will take him anywhere. <laughs> right. But, 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 but any day in that it's not his, I don't know his story, but I would buy the book just because I'm curious about him. That's what I mean. I bet he says the words. All right. All right. All right. Like 400 times. <laughs> well, I, I didn't say that, that. I, I wanted yeah, he wants to read or he read the audiobook, and so I would definitely buy that audiobook. I would not buy that book. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd buy the well, audiobook. Yes, I, it, that's how it does feel. I I feel this book's gonna sit in the middle of a couple genres, and that's, but that in a way can make it harder to sell. You know, so one hundred percent. I know. I think that that is a mistake and I will tell you as a friend and anybody listening that you cannot sit in between two genres especially not with your first book this is your first like book book yeah. that you're self-publishing and especially as a self-published author 
It's right. a mistake to think that you can color in between the lines, right? In my opinion. I know. And and then she and then this is a woman who tells me I have a commitment issues. Now we know why I struggle to, to stand pat on something. Because <laughs> I'll I tell this, you this kind of advice and I'm supposed to like clench my gut and move forward anyway, you know, I feel okay. I, <laughs> I feel like in, in a lot of ways, this makes us very complimentary business partners, but in some ways it does make me wonder how you deal with me because I am like so blunt. I didn't think anything that I just said could hurt your feelings in any way, <laughs> but that's just because I'm like, this is business. Like this isn't personal. I love you. You're very talented. You know that I feel that way, I know. but like, but we're, I we're making money. We are here to make money. <laughs> I'm going to, this book's going to be a bestseller. You watch, you watch. I will watch. I will. I'll be there for the whole thing. We'll pop bottles. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that you're just in a spot right now that a lot of writers find themselves in where you're unsure and you don't want to make the wrong choice. Yeah. And that tends to cause you to second guess and second guess and second guess. And at some point you have to stop asking my opinion and anybody else's opinion. And you have to just kind of trust your gut. Right. 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 And everybody who has seen the title really loves, loves the cover. And when they understand where the title comes from in the story and it is in the story, it's part of the story. It makes sense. So, yeah. you know, it clears that up and you can clear that up in the blurb perfectly but you know what clears that up on the cover so say at some point you put this in a library or a bookstore or whatever just uh in quotations you know how sometimes they have in quotations and it's like a little tidbit or this is a thrilling blah blah whatever or you know just he always said quote unquote mm. you know love you more you can literally just yeah. put that in small letters so if somebody were to pick that up as a paperback be like oh but you can put that in the blurb right. that I, I i almost feel like that should be either the very first line in your blurb or the very last line you know he always said Love you know more. a lot of blurbs have a tagline at the top they have mm -hmm. something in italics that could be mm -hmm. what, what i put in italics is i love you no i love you more he said mm -hmm. yeah something yeah. like that i think uh clears it up so, yeah. and so that's, that's one thing. Um, yes, the cover is going to be what grabs them, but the blurb is going to be what sells it. So you can kind of balance the two of them out, I think. Right, right. Well, I have one more opinion coming in on uh, Thursday morning. I'm talking to uh, the president of a memoir society of, <laughs> of America. Uh, her and I have an appointment. So we're going to chat about the title and the blurb and make sure that it lines up. See what she thinks. I want to know what she thinks. So I'm interested to see what she thinks too. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping that she'll be like, yeah, your friend Ashley's right. So tell me, what, where are you in your projects? Um, well, the weather is really nice. No, um, <laughs> I am juggling, 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 juggling all the time. I feel like, um, I've been doing, I fell down the rabbit hole of research the other day, uh, for a blog article <laughs> on OnlyFans. <laughs> And so um, then I kind of just went on this research tangent, which for those of you who have ADD, you'll probably understand what that's like. Mm -hmm. um, 
because I do just get like super like one-minded um but as far as writing books go um I outlined four books last week um so uh three nonfiction, one memoir um and then I have another nonfiction book that um I want to outline this week so I'm kind of in like the create creative stage I guess um but it doesn't feel very creative because it, they're mostly nonfiction. um and so that's kind of like a I don't know it is creative I've never written a nonfiction book, like a how-to book. So I'm wondering how, you know, the getting, you know, the outline was great. All these, you know, it was like outlining a blog post. It was no big deal, just longer. But I'm wondering when I get into it and it's like super dry <laughs> how-to stuff, if I'm going to really enjoy it. Right. Um, but that is kind of going along. I decided at the advice of my editor to outline and rewrite the first episode of my zombie book which sucks because it's like I don't know probably like the fifth time I've rewritten it like but um so I that is my goal this week and I'm really hoping that next week well let's see we we record these on Saturday so I'm hoping that on Saturday I'll be able to tell you that I have at least outlined the zombie book and the last nonfiction book idea that I have. And I've picked one to write, <laughs> like I've picked one to start because mm -hmm. that'll, that'll be a big, a big thing for me. So, um, I am, I'm just kind of figuring out, you know, as we reformat this podcast and we're kind of figuring out, um, where our business is going to go as content creators. Um, I'm learning more and more about the kind of content that I want to create. And so I'm just kind of in that like idea stage of I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. And so now I'm like, okay, I have to pick one or two of these things and everything else is going to have to go on the back burner because like I want to do t-shirts and apparel and merchandise for our brand and I want to do courses and, you know, we're doing retreats and there's all these things I want to do. I want to have a YouTube channel like, um, but I can't do it all. So I'm definitely honing in on working on um, my fiction and nonfiction writing, as well as I'm always blogging, so. Right, well, that sounds cool. I mean, and, and I agree, it's hard to pick a topic and sometimes, or focus, sometimes it takes trying it to know. I, that's what I've found is for me to, I've ha I have written nonfiction. I've also now started writing fiction. So I know what the two feel like. And you're right, they're very different processes and take different kind of mindset. So it'll be kind of curious to hear what you feel like or what it's like for you once you get into this. Yeah, it's like, I write nonfiction now, but it's- Blogging. It's, yeah, blogging, personal essay style stuff. It's about my life. I'm obviously very interesting. Um, teaching people, <laughs> teaching people how to write serialized fiction. I don't know if I'm gonna be into that. Right, <laughs> so right, we'll just right, see. Right. Right, exactly. right. I get that. All right. So now that we've kind of caught up and on what we're working on and stuff like that, today's topic is about writing nonfiction versus writing fiction. Um, Carrie and I are both working on um, fiction work as well as nonfiction work, and there are some pretty distinct differences. So I thought we'd talk a little bit about that today. 
That sounds exciting. Yes, I I've self-published three devotionals, which were all, of course, nonfiction and educational. Um, I'm also, I just have written two memoirs. The one I have, I haven't published one, but I have a second one. I'm about ready to do that. And I have started a romance novel. So, um, so I have started writing fiction. So yeah, it's been interesting. It's even learning to do narrative style writing because the devotionals obviously are not, they're just, it's educational. So you don't, mm -hmm. You don't do a lot of storytelling in it. You do more how-to in it, and it's it's a it's a different mindset. You know, you have to do more. It's more research-based or more information-based, thinking more sequentially in something. Um, and whereas the other allows me to use more of my imagination. I have to. Yeah, it's just very different. I'd love to hear how your experience has been and what you think of the two. Um. You know, for a really long time, I had never finished anything or stuck with anything um, like I have with blogging. And I, it, I, it's definitely easier to just write about myself. <laughs> like, it's so much easier. <laughs> if I was like a celebrity, uh, like Miley Cyrus or something, and I could just make a living after writing about myself, like that would be ideal. Um, I love fiction though. Like fiction is what I fell in love with um, as a kid. And it's just, it takes, it takes like almost like a different side of my brain, it feels like, um, to be creative and to make, you know, well-rounded characters who are not always based off of people that I know, because right. that's, that's an easy go-to for me, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, sometimes I struggle. I feel like I have to be more in a writer mood, I think, to write fiction. It's not, like I can sit down and force myself to write a blog post every day. I can't force myself to write fiction very well. I can, but it won't be very good. Interesting. That's interesting. You'll find this very intriguing. When I write nonfiction, I go by a lot outline. And I normally when I write fiction, I know. And when I'm doing fiction, I don't, I don't need, I have the story that where the story's heading in my head. Um, but, but when it comes to fiction, no, I need an outline. I need to know what is the, what's the next chapter, what's being built on, uh, where are we going, what's happening in that chapter. I, I need, because it's either going to have subheadings inside of it. So I need the structure to be able to keep myself on task and in target, which that's not fiction writing. You don't do that. You don't, it doesn't require the same thing. That's more world building where this is more, you know, building on education. So it's very, it's very different experience. I use an outline for both. And I will tell you that um, I've worked with a couple different like writing coaches. And one told me that she thought I was getting stuck because I was outlining too much. Mm -hmm. And then another told me that I was having issues because I wasn't outlining enough. Wow. And um, I will just say that the one after working on it myself, the one thing that really, really helped was outlining a lot like knowing exactly what my characters look like knowing exactly what's going to happen in the plot because I can do all of the creative stuff myself on the page but like if I know you know so and so falls down drops the gun you know so and so walks over picks up the gun I can make that more interesting obviously when I'm writing it but to just know like here's where the handoff is this is what's going to happen um it makes it easier for me. 
Yeah, I can see that. And I, and I think I, I do you plan, of course, you plan to outline a nonfiction piece. We just was talking about some, several ideas you had. So what's it feeling like as you're starting to think about outlining these nonfiction pieces? Um, okay, so there's two different types of nonfiction. There's one that is, you know, my memoir. And then there's one that is, you know, like kind of how to. So the how to outline is, you know, step one, <laughs> you know, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, step two. Right. So it's pretty, it's pretty dry. Um, right. There are some things that, you know, I flared up with my own language slash attitude, but um, the memoir has been a little bit trickier. One, because I feel like I have memory issues. <laughs> And so, um, you know, maybe I'm not remembering things exactly how they happened, but I feel like that's everybody, everybody does that. If you ask two people what happened, they're going to give you a different story. Right. Um, but I definitely am kind of outlining it where it's like, because it's based on all the times that I hit rock bottom or a low point in my life and then got back up again. And so basically each chapter teaches you a lesson or something or just shows you a lesson that I learned and um that one's been a little bit different because it's like I have to you know pick an event in my life and then really dig deep on like what's the lesson that you learned from this and sometimes I'm like nothing like <laughs> I learned nothing <laughs> right. Right. I repeated that mistake seven times after that you know so it's just it, <laughs> it's just difficult because it's it's a lot of like I spent a lot of time I don't know trying to learn about myself being self-aware right. and there are still some things where I'm like oh I hate that that happened like I hate that I was that person right, right. <laughs> so that's that's the hardest part about that shit <laughs> it is very hard and and that's what what I'm doing right now is I'm revising it yeah I'm also making cleaning up the language getting rid of dead wood words that I don't sticky words that I don't need things like that but the other thing that I'm doing is really forcing myself to ask like for, take this moment the dark soul of the night moment in the story I'm take you know it's where I'm coming to a decision about the relationship and I have to really dig deep why did it take me so long to get there why was I so reluctant to actually make the decision? And then what actually prompted me to then make the decision? And you're right, there's all these layer of nuances that happen. And when when we recall them, we we don't know, we don't, we've not set and processed all that. So what I often find that I have to get it down on paper, it's usually missing a lot. And then I have to go back and say, okay, from an outside perspective, what won't somebody else understand? I mean, I made the decision based on feelings that doesn't have words. So what, what is it that I need to be able to understand? So you're right, there's, there's layering that starts to go into that. Memoir writing is really different than other non, uh, nonfiction writing. Very, very different. It's scene-based. Uh, it needs to have reflection and observations in, a, in addition to the story. So it should read like a story, like a fiction piece, but it has to have this yourself as the observing self, the you that you are now, to looking at the you that you were then and then observing about that it's a just a very just a very different process so yeah there's different types of nonfiction. that's one type and then of course the more educational the more informational like how to stop whatever or how to start whatever or do more of whatever but yeah it's cool that you're exploring more of that i find um i like 
I like writing memoir style. I, I love, well, I'm a psychologist. I mean, are we surprised? I like the self-reflection. I struggle with more of the educational stuff. To me, it's a little too dry and what I did in grad school and I just, I struggle with it. I've had to do it a lot, so. Yeah. Well, I think you're a blogger that blogs about yourself. So right. am I. Yeah. And I mean, pretty much every time I sit down to um, write a blog post, it has to do with something that's happened to me. And I just tell them the story. And so that's basically what it is, is I'm, I'm not even writing it from like a, a scene based thing. It's I'm telling you what happened and now here I'm telling you where I fucked up and here I'm telling you how I fixed it or at least made amends about it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but it's, it is like, it's the easiest thing to do in the world. I think for me, maybe you too, is to talk about myself because that's, that's the one thing that like, I can't fuck up. Like I know myself well enough to be like, I can hold a conversation and talk about me it might not be the most fun thing for you, but I can do it, you know? So, and that's what memoir writing, I mean, kind of has been right to me. I, I, I realize if you listen to people talk, I think this, and this is true for you and I, if you listen to people talk, most people don't tell their lives in stories. Mm-hmm. They tell about their feelings, but you and I like to talk about our lives in terms of stories. So if something's happened in your life, you don't just say, yeah, it was a tough weekend. The kids were in a rough space, but I'm doing better now. You like to say, you tell me this, you unpack it. Who showed Oh up? boy. Yeah. Right. I unpack all that baggage. <laughs> right. Exactly. And that's what makes you and I, that's why we're writers, because we do that. We see the world in terms of stories. And I think that that's one thing that makes for a good writer is that we, we can see the story. We can see the stories we're aware of them yeah I think another another thing about you and I and maybe I've never met so many neurodivergent people in one community as I have in the writers community mm-hmm. but um is we don't necessarily have appropriate boundaries <laughs> right it's just kind of what comes into it and um you know that's how we're wired and I think that helps us because I'm going to, you know, if I were to ask a guy that I'm seeing or whatever, you know, like, how was your night? Yeah, it was good. Or how was your day? Yeah, it was good. They are going to turn around and ask me that question. I'm like, oh my God, Graham did this. And then I like the, the house burned down and like all these things happen. And I'm going to go on and on and on and tell you the whole, like almost every detail. Cause I don't really have that switch in my brain. That's like, they just wanted like a, like a two word answer. Like, <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, oversharing is very easy. I struggle to find the boundaries. It's very hard for mm-hmm. me to figure. I either tell too little because I'm trying to not overshare or I overshare. But I want to overshare. That's my my tendency is to overshare. But here's the thing. Oversharing though comes with some big blessings. And one of them is is that we develop rapport rapidly with other people. Mm-hmm. But it also of course the downside is people can take advantage of us a little bit too much too. Yeah, that's for sure. For yeah. sure. But it does make for good storytelling. That's true. It does. And I think it translates into fiction too. Like in talking about like the differences between nonfiction and fiction, I think that our view of things is a little bit different than those of neurotypical people. And um, I think it does make us good storytellers. Um, 
I find myself people watching all the time and that kind of makes itself makes its way into stories you know um some people don't pay attention to the lady you know just tapping her finger on the table at the coffee shop but I don't know it's so it bugs me the noise is like repetitive and it bugs me so I'm paying attention to it you know and it's those right, little, like, right. human I, behaviors that kind of come in right Right. And I think both of us, because we're neurodivergent, we're also trying to decode the social world constantly because <laughs> it's not doesn't always make sense to us. So that does make us more observant than we're more likely to be aware of what happens between people because we're busy trying to make sense of what's happening between people. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And I have noticed that I when I talk to writers, I'm shocked by the number of us that fit that fit in the neurodivergent community. A lot of us do. A lot of us do. Yeah. yeah. I think our, our imagination works differently too. I don't know if you're aware of that, but we don't have the same kind of imagination that other people do. Um, I'm not yeah, no. sure understand the differences. I just know that it worked. For example, I never did imaginative play when I was a kid. I just didn't. Um, but yet here, I what I would do, what I would do though, is I would take a book, start it, get 50 pages in, create the world in my head, and then live in it. <laughs> and then I would... I would live there for a while. I wouldn't even want to read further in the book because I wanted to live in the world that I created. So I don't want to know what happens in the story. I want to live in my story, my version of the book. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's something that um, kind of lends itself to people who are good at writing fiction. Um, it's, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've read a book and been like, it should have went like this, you know, and then I... <laughs> can lay it out on paper and I'm like oh now I have my own story you know <laughs> like I can't tell you how many times I've been it. like it definitely should not have ended that way <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> you were wrong yeah. right I, I think the other point, the other point that you make is interesting is what energy does it take to write each and it does take a different energy what I had to do when I was writing uh non-fiction educational is I had to set literally a timer I had to say to myself, it's like going to a job. I had to sit down. Literally, I would work from two to four o'clock, three times a week. That's what it took for me to write those books. Whereas when I write fiction, it is more how I feel. So if I'm in the space or not in the space, I have to kind of like move myself into the space to be able to sit down and write it. And boy, if I'm not in it and try to do that, oh, it does not work well. I swear every word wants to battle me. It's just, it's horrible. So whereas nonfiction it wouldn't it would come more naturally just because it's i don't know whether it has to relate to school or the fact that it's facts and you can research the facts and then put sentences together but it's just I think a different it's left brain right brain it's yeah it's you're right i you're right you're right it is a different use of the brain so it feels very different i think that's why like and i think it's the reverse for people who are like very artistic writers they have a hard time a like you know writing about something if it's not a creative endeavor so they would really struggle with like writing nonfiction and you know dry stuff and um I feel like it's just whatever side of our brain is working that day mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> not that I only have one side of my brain that works at a time but sometimes it definitely feels that way <laughs> right. as far as the structure of sentences and grammar and the rules of uh, all the rules say, the same rules apply so knowing knowing the, the grammatical rules are important, you know. So I, I, one of my favorite books is uh, is by Struck and White. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, Elements of Writing, I think, is what it's called. Those those types of things are just it's that's always good. That's just what it takes to be a good writer. So those things don't change. 
but um, you don't write narrative style when you do educational. It's right. Yeah, you have. It's just like setting up an essay. You need to have a thesis, and you support it, and then you conclude it with what it, it looks like, which is very different than a story. Yeah, and so I I think it's just the big thing for me when it comes to writing one or the other is just I don't schedule writing time uh fiction versus nonfiction. like I don't say okay every Tuesday I'm going to write fiction because a lot of times I'll wake up and I'll be like mm, no <laughs> like my brain's just not in that mood today and so I think the big thing for me is to have two projects going at once and being able to switch between which I Sorry, I don't necessarily have like a nonfiction project that I'm writing on, but I can always go and write a blog post and that's the same for me. Right, right. Well, cool. Yeah, it, it is different. And I, I think it takes, I think it's always good to try both. I think it's, you know, to see how it feels and see what's your natural talent, you know, so, uh, or what appeals to you. I know some people that just love to write educational material and it's just the way they're wired and others that would, you know, would never even touch it with a 10 foot pole. So I think it's exciting to kind of like straddle them and try them out, see how it feels. Yeah, it really is. Cause honestly, I would have never known that I liked blogging if I wouldn't have found medium, like I'd never really written about myself. I was convinced that I was going to be a fiction writer first. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, you never know until you try. Exactly. Exactly. All right, guys. Well, that sums up this episode of the How to Publish Your Book podcast. Don't forget to check the links in the show notes if you're interested on in coming on one of our retreats. And we will um, see you next week. Sounds good. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.